I said that my message this morning would be entitled, We Shall Be Like Him. And you can turn in your Bible, if you'd like to, to 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, all the way over toward close to the end of the New Testament. After 1 and 2 Peter, there's 1, 2, and 3 John. It's in the first epistle of John, the third chapter, the second verse, and this is what John wrote. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will just saturate everything that is said here in this pulpit today, that you will anoint in mighty power the words that are spoken so that they can find a, an arrow to the hearts of every person sitting here. Minister to us, Lord, in your presence, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and for the glory of God, and we'll praise you for everything that you do today, to, for us together today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Jesus, the Bible says, is the first fruits of the resurrection. To put it in the King James terms, he is the first fruits of, of them that slept. And that's a, a kind of a a question to a lot of people because it doesn't seem that he's the first person to have come back from the dead. And I've had people question me about that over the years. And I think that there's a reasonable answer for it. I'm going to try to give it to you today. When I say others had come forth from the dead, we know that he raised Lazarus from the dead who had been in the tomb for four days. We have the record that the funeral procession from the village of Nain was being led by the beer or the coffin of a young man who was the son of a widow, and she was greatly grieving. He had been dead long enough that they were on their way to the grave to bury him, and Jesus brought him back to life. And uh, there, 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 there are instances of this, whether the daughter of Jairus was actually dead, Jesus said she was sleeping, but everybody else said she was dead. Uh, he brought her back. There are people in the book of Acts who by the power of the Lord and the work of the apostles were brought back from the dead. So to say that Jesus is the first fruits confuses some people. There are instances also in the Old Testament of people coming back from, from the dead. Now, the reason that he is the first fruits is because his coming forth from the dead was unlike any other. The others were just risen from the dead. They were brought back from death into their restored natural bodies with life given to them. Jesus rose from the dead and came forth in, a, in an eternal body, in a body that was different from any other that had ever been experienced. And that's why he had to show his disciples so clearly and so uh, uh, circumspectly that he had risen from the dead. They knew that he had died, and he came to show them in many different ways that it was the same one who had died, but he had come forth from the grave. And not only that, he had been resurrected, not just restored or resuscitated to life, he was resurrected from the dead as the first fruits and as a type, 
not just a type, that isn't the right word, as an example of, as proof of, if you will, the fact that the resurrection for all of God's children will occur. And that's why the scripture says, we don't know yet what it shall appear. There are so many things about the resurrection and the glorified body that we will not understand. I think there are some things that we can know and some things that we can be quite convinced are true, even if we might not be able to prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. But we can absolutely stand upon this fact that Jesus came forth from the grave, he rose from the tomb, and the Bible says that we too will conquer death and we too will be resurrected in righteousness and that when we are resurrected in righteousness, how are we going to appear? This is what it's going to be. We shall be like him in his resurrection body. So, so the glorified body uh, is an earthly body in, a, in, a, in appearance. I want to I give you one point of... Uh, one point of consideration, if you will. That the body of Jesus, when he came forth from the tomb until the time he ascended, was not completely as it is now that he has ascended to the Father and experienced the glorification of being at the Father's right hand. But it is enough for us to recognize what he is telling us about our resurrection, that we can gather a great deal from the things and the ways that he showed himself and proved himself to be alive after he came forth from the dead up until the time of his ascension. So I'm going to tell you that the glorified body will be in some ways and some forms like the earthly body in appearance. Because when Jesus came back from the grave, he was in all practical purposes as far as appearance is concerned, like he was before he died except that he carried the marks of the crucifixion and the way of his death upon his body, and he used that as proof to show his disciples that he actually was the same Jesus that they had known, and he proved it to them in that way. So the physical features of the resurrected body may be retained, at least some of them will be, and, uh, and that is shown to us, as I said, by the way Jesus showed himself. Not in the same body now, we're not going to be in the same body. There are people who wonder about that. And I know that it's a relief to some of you to know that when you're resurrected, you're not going to be in the same body. You'll be the correct weight. You won't have medical issues. I don't know what Jesus has got planned for the doctors in eternity, but he's got something planned for them. But we won't need them. <laughs> Because there's no sickness there. So what we do know is that we will be that that, that the resurrection in, in 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 death that is like planting a seed that dies. No seed, the scripture says. Read 1 Corinthians 15 if you want a good in-depth New Testament teaching about the resurrection. Uh, uh, and it's quite involved, but I'm going to give you enough today to hope to make it uh, understandable to you. But he, he says that it, in 1 Corinthians 15 that planting a seed is like the kernel of the beginning of the resurrection. That seed, when it's planted in the ground, if it's a wheat seed or corn, whatever it is, has to actually die before it can germinate and produce more fruit. So when the body is planted, it's like a seed being planted, and in death it then produces in the glory of God, in the power of God, yes, and even in the mystery of God for eternity, it produces that eternal body 
that comes forth with us when we are resurrected from the grave. Now, I'm going to point out to you all the different times that Jesus was recognized. He came to His disciples. He appeared to them. He said to them on the seashore, remember when He, when he uh, uh, met His disciples and they were out fishing and He called them to come on, children, have you caught any fish? They came into the shore with Him and He had that, that time already prepared fish and food for them to eat that morning. So it was to them a testimony that it was the same Jesus because He ate the food just like he had eaten it before. Other times he appeared to them when they gathered in the upper room and he said to them, look at me, behold me, and see that I'm the same one that you knew. I'm the one that you saw crucified. He said to them, look at my hands, look at my feet, see the print of the nails in them. Look at my side and see where it was riven by the Roman soldier's spear. And see that I am the same one that you saw die. It was to them proof that he had risen from the dead. More important than knowing what our bodies are going to be like in resurrection is knowing what the body of Jesus was like and that it was the very same Jesus who died. The glorious part of it is by His coming forth from the grave. And this is more important than what the body is going to look like in the resurrection. This is more important than anything else in knowledge that we may gain about this whole thing. The really important thing is that because Jesus rose from the dead, He secured our salvation and guaranteed for us eternal life. And that's the assurance that you're looking for. That's what you need. That is more important than knowing the answers to your questions about what eternity is going to be like. I grant you that our curiosity is uh, rampant sometimes. And we do want answers. And sometimes we go a little bit too far in trying to gain those answers. But the assurance that we do need is that, when there, that there is a life after this life. There is a life that is called the life after death we call it. But the truth of the matter is, for us, death is but a transition. And following that, the Lord takes care of it in His time and in His economy. There will be a resurrection, and the righteous will be called forth from the grave. You heard it read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 this morning, that we shall be caught up together with Him. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Paul said to the Thessalonians, and those who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the air. And the wonderful thing about it is, if, 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 if being caught up together to meet them in the air is no better than dying in the Lord. It's no better. You say, but I want to be here when Jesus comes. So do I. And maybe you will be. But if you aren't, it's, it is still just a transition. Death is not permanent. It is permanent only so far as the hold of this world is concerned. But when death grasps us, it doesn't hold us. It's just a natural experience because the Bible says death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I will tell you, there was a time in my life when I preached that and I believed it, but I didn't have the assurance of it that I have today. The reason I have the assurance of it today is because 
I've experienced standing face to face with death. I've been eyeball to eyeball with it, nose to nose, and told this is it. And I can tell you that it is possible to stand at that place and have no fear. I can say that from experience. I told that once and somebody said, that's because you have a death wish, why you wouldn't be afraid. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's because death doesn't have any hold on me any more than it has on you. Hallelujah. You've already been set free from the sting of death because Jesus Christ has conquered death and made you whole in him and you're guaranteed eternal life in him. As long as Jesus lives, as long as Jesus lives, you are guaranteed eternal life. Hallelujah. And how long is that going to be? Forever. Forever. That's how long. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, I'm going to answer a couple of questions for you that I think you probably have asked at one time or another. How many have ever asked, will we know our loved ones there? That's the, that is the most frequently asked question that I know of. Once we get past knowing that we don't have to be afraid, that we are secure and safe in Him, once we get past that, the next thing people want to know is, will we know our loved ones there? And I'm going to give you the answer to that. How many of you would rather not know them? That's okay. <laughs> no. no hands. <laughs> to live above with, no, 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 no. To live below with saints we know. Oh, let me say it right. I wasn't planning this. You can tell I wasn't planning this. To live above, this is right, to live above with saints we love, my, that will be glory. But to live below with saints we know, that's a different story. <laughs> so that's why sometimes, <laughs> so for those of you who want to recognize them when you get there, who want to know them when you get there, I'm going to tell you in all, with all my heart, I do truly believe that you will know. And I'm going to tell you why I think that. I'll tell you why I think that. I think that because Jesus made it very clear to his disciples that he who was loved by them and so close to them, that it was he who had risen from the dead. He made it very clear and very known to them. He prevailed upon that truth of them that they not, have, not be mistaken about it at all. That it was this same Jesus, even up to the very time that he ascended, and again, it was this same Jesus, this same Jesus. It was important for them to know that. It's also important, I think, for you to recognize that when on the Mount of Transfiguration, when, uh, when uh, Moses and Elijah uh, came back and were there on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Peter, James, and John, they recognized them. I don't find any record anywhere that Jesus told them who the two men were. He didn't say who they were. They just knew who they were. And so I believe that there is something about our transitional body. When we move into the eternal realm, that is certainly there is a great deal that goes beyond anything we can experience here. And one of those things is going to be a spiritual knowledge and a recognition so you can know, you can know the people that you have known here. After all, 
I'm not trying to make it too earthly about going there, but if, if we were in heaven and had to start all over and make all new friends and all new family and not know anybody when we got there, that might, not be, that might be an attraction about not wanting to go. Well, maybe it wouldn't be, but considering the alternative, it wouldn't be. But, but how much better, how much better is it to know that you're going to be there and have a reunion with those you love? I believe that's exactly what is promised to us. Now, I will point out to you also that in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, the scripture says, and Paul is writing, saying, and, and that day I, we will know even as we're known. I know that there's a depth of spiritual quality in that about our perception, but when it says we will know even as we're known, I think we will be known and we will know. So you have something greatly to look forward to. Greatly to look forward to. I know that I mark, I mark every year the time of my mother's going to heaven. I mark it every year, December the 15th. Her birthday was on June the 15th. She went to heaven on December the 15th. And I mark those days because I still remember after all of these years, and I think about it after all of these years. And I know that Carolyn thinks about her mother and dad as well and looking toward that time. Now, that's not why we want to go to heaven, but that's a great attraction for us in that wonderful place. God cares enough about us to take care of all of those things that are concerns about us in our mind, in our heart, in our spirit, that he will recognize us as we come through the gate and it won't be necessary to take us over and show us who these people are. When we walk through the gate, we're going to know. I've never seen Jesus but I believe that I know, that I know, that I know I will recognize him when I see him the first time there. I'll recognize him. I believe you will too. I believe I'm going to know Peter. I believe I'll know James. I believe I'll know John. I believe I'll know the other disciples. I believe I'll know people from the Old Testament who are there. I'll know people from the New Testament. And I'll know people from Orange Park who are there. I'll say that last part by faith. I, no, I truly believe we will know each other there. And so, and so saying all of that, uh, uh, the, what it's important for us to know is when, when, is this, when is this transition for us going to take place? When is, this, when is this going to occur? For those who have already gone in the Lord whose bodies are in the grave. The Bible says to be absent with the bodies, be present with the Lord, present with the Lord in spirit. There's going to be a resurrection at the coming of Jesus, at the rapture. I've taught here about the st stages of the second coming, and so when I say the coming now, I'm talking about the first stage of the second coming, which is the rapture of the church. And at the rapture of the church, those of us who are alive at that time will be caught up to meet him in the air. But the Bible says we won't go before those who have already died in Christ. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we'll be with him, though things will change and transition, we will be with him throughout all of that time. And the great wonderful part of all of this is you're going to be not just reunited with those that you love, 
You're going to be blessed by that. You're also going to be in the presence of the Lord forever. And, 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 and I, I am not sure exactly what the marks are going to be that will make you know him. I don't think it's going to matter. I mean, we'll certainly see, we'll certainly see his, the, 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 the marks of his crucifixion for us. And whether those are still present or not, that's, that's not what the important thing is. The important thing is that there's a knowledge in us about Him. We know Him, and knowing Him now means that we will surely and certainly and wonderfully know Him then. In the greatest of possible ways, we will know Him then, and we will never, never, never forget who He is once we found Him and encountered Him and walked through those gates to meet Him. We will never, through all the endless ages of eternity, have a moment of confusion about who He is. We'll know Him even as He knows us. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I'm going to digress just a moment to, to say something here. You know, we're, I, I know some of you may not know, you've, you've had a good sampling of what our church is like today. A lot of informality. And I'm, so I'm going to just say this importantly to you. Some of, if you're wondering why people are clapping their hands, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether you say amen or clap your hands. If you want to express, I agree with that. You know, amen means let it be so. I agree with it. Let, let it be so. I, amen. You can say amen in this church. If you'd rather not say amen, rather clap your hands, that's okay too. Go ahead and clap your hands. In fact, if you want to raise your hands and praise God while I'm preaching, it won't disturb me a bit. Amen. Some, of you do, some of you do that too. I can preach right on through that or I can just stop and let you do it. <laughs> I just say that because some of you may be wondering why people are clapping their hands. You need to and in fact, I, would, I really wish if you were going to do that, I wish you'd just join in and clap a little bit better if you want to know the truth about it. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See, that's better than saying, sometimes somebody's preaching along and say, you know, can I get an amen? <laughs> this is better than that. Even better. All right, we shall be like him. Why? Because we shall be caught up with him and we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. When my life's work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when that bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side. And his smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know him. I shall know him. As redeemed by his side, I shall stand. I shall know him. I shall know him. By the print of the nails in his hands. And even more than that, even more than that, without that, I shall know him. That's a great old song. And the second verse says, Oh, the dear ones in glory, how they beckon me to come. And our parting at the river I recall. To the sweet vales of Eden they will sing my welcome home. But I long to see my Savior first of all. 
Through the gates to the city in a robe of spotless white, he will lead me where no tears will ever fall. In the glad song of ages, I shall mingle with delight, but I long to see my Savior first of all. I shall know him, I shall know him. As redeemed by his side, I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hands. Those words were written many years ago by Fanny Crosby, who wrote many wonderful truths about the Christian faith, and that is just a part of it. And my friends, the wonderful thing for you to believe and to know, not just to believe it because you need to believe something, believe it because it's based on the Bible, because it's based on truth. The wonderful thing is to know that this is a reality, that life, life, life never stops never ends because Jesus is the resurrection and the life and we shall be like him. We shall be like him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I want you to bow with me in prayer this morning.